This is Pace the Nation. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Pace the Nation. Broadcasting back here at Studio 1A in downtown Arlington, Virginia. Downtown of the heart of the universe. Downtown of everything. Of course, that is Clarendon. Back again for another exciting episode. A big show today. Episode 275. Alongside me, my co-host, virtually alongside me, Julie Cully. Julie, what's up? Do you ever get tired of your intro? I love it. I love it. It gets me into the mood. It gets me into the mood. It gets me into the flow of things, you know? So like no. it's like it's the same intro every if week or every other week. If you I guess there's some, some variation there's of it. Small nuances that are different. Yeah. Like this different. week you said the episode. So that was a small nuance. <laughs> that was, well, that was a, I misspoke. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Four hours of sleep here. Come on. You know the drill because you probably got three. So mm-hmm. cut me some slack. Uh, All yeah. right. Here's your slack. Yeah. So, uh, no, I changed it up a little bit. So, but I, I do like that intro. It gets me going. It gets me excited about the show. Not that I needed to get excited because we do have a really big show to get to. Um, and, and a lot to get into with a really good, cool guest uh, today. So, Julie, you are back in town. You were out last week putting on a high school track meet, one of the best high school track meets in the country, the Brooks PRI Invitational. Is that right? The Brooks PR Invitational? PRI stands yep. for PR Invitational. So you wouldn't yes. say PRI Invitational. <laughs> so it's a little redundant. But it is the right. Brooks PR Invitational. Correct? Yes. And and it went awesome, right? How'd it go? Uh, it was amazing. I mean, yeah. it's the best meet in the country. It Was it it's- truly the best meet in the country? It is. It It truly is. Yeah. Yeah. And there's been some evaluations and some message boarding that's been happening in the last couple of days because three of the brands, um, Adidas, Nike, and New Balance, Mm -hmm. have uh, what they claim as the national championship. Um, Hmm. Each of them has their own national championship. Go figure. Yeah. So you could be a national champion and two other people could also be a national champion (laughs) in the same event. So this past weekend, there was the New Balance Nationals, there was the NSAF Nike Nationals, and there was the Adidas Nationals. All right, but Um, let's not bury the lead. What was most important was- What was most important was that we, uh, Brooks, got out ahead of this and knew that those three brands were going to be trying to compete for the same kids all on the same weekend- and we said, we're not going to get in the mix. And we're also not going to take an opportunity away from a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so we hosted last Wednesday in Seattle. And we brought 114 of the best athletes from the 100 all the way up to the two mile. And Including we flew them out. recent guests, Juliet Whitaker and, uh, and Gary, Gary Martin. Martin. Yep. Yep. Two, two star mm-hmm. uh, high school athletes. Yep. And uh, we brought them all out to Seattle. And it was an incredible few days. So we give them kind of a VIP treatment tour of of Seattle. We fly them out. We pay for them to be there. We pay for their flights, 
all their meals. And then we put on the best meat. It's not only the best meat in the country, it might be the best meat in the world for that age group. That's awesome. Um, so we broke five meat records while we were there. Um, and we broke the, uh, two mile national record, um, for the women, for the girls, high school girls. And we had the U S number one lead in the, in the uh, 400 for the women and the hundred for the women, the deepest field ever in the women's, uh, or the girls, uh, mile deepest field ever for the boys mile deepest field ever, ever. For the boys, eight hundred meters. Golf clap. So yeah, it was Amazing incredible. Job. Yeah, All it right. was incredible. All right, one thing about that, and we're going to move on to our guest. No, one we don't. Question. We can actually talk about this <laughs> one, all one day because I love to gloat about yeah. this meet. It's an incredible uh, well, you, amount you of work. You deserve it. But... You deserve it, and and you guys did an awesome job. You led the team, did an awesome, awesome uh, job out there. Your favorite moment of the meet? What was it? Meet? Maybe maybe not even the meet. The entire weekend experience. What was your favorite moment? Um, definitely the boys and girls mile, I think. Um, and maybe that sounds biased coming from a distance runner. Um, but something special happened there. We, we brought the entire crowd onto the track for the athletes. Mm. Um, so they were the last two events of the whole meet and we brought literally everyone down from the stands to line the home stretch. And, uh, two, so for the boys race and for the girls race, the girls, again, deepest, uh, field ever in existence in high school track. So we had seven girls break 440 in the mile, wow. which is really incredible led by Juliet Whitaker, who was on the show. Um, she won the, won the race, um, and she came over to me afterwards and gave me a big hug and was like, that was the coolest race I've ever run. Um, because she was so proud of awesome. number one, the w- women, the girls running so fast, but also she was like, the energy just carried me. Like everyone was there. Everyone was cheering so loud. Um, and this is perfect plug, right? Cause it's for the two individuals that we yeah, interviewed interview. on the show, yep. but Gary Martin, um, ran the 800 meters earlier in the day. He ran a PR and he was, um, second overall and, Jesse Williams with sound running, um, is one of our partners for the meet. And he had kind of put the bug in Gary's ear earlier that we might ask him to rabbit the, and to pace the, um, boys mile, which Mm -hmm. is not something we've ever done. It really is like championship style, but we have so much talent in the field that we wanted to see if the boys could finally break four minutes. We had never had that happen in the, uh, in the boys race, um, at Brooks PR. So, uh, Gary came up to Jesse later in the meet after his event was over and he was like, let's do it. I want to do it. Um, nice. and Jesse said, well, wait, hold on. Like, we got to call your coach. We got to make sure your coach is on board with it. He's like, no, no, I don't need to call my coach. Like my coach will be fine. Cause Gary actually was racing three days later at, at another meet, at right, another, another meet. national meet. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, Jesse said, let's just call him. Let's just make sure. <laughs> so call this coach, call it the coach was all on board. Gary was so excited. And so he paced the boys race and they broke four. Nice. Um, so, and it was this huge Another like moment, uh, a, a boy from South Dakota whose PR coming into this was like four Oh seven high, wow. like beat the entire field, b- ran basically an eight second PR and, um, and broke four and Gary was a big part of that. So again, the track was lined with all the fans 
Um, it was just two really, really special and powerful moments. Um, and they happen to be PTN guests. Nice. So like, yeah. Oh, totally. All right. I love it. Really cool. Really Thank special. you for sharing. I'm proud of you. Awesome <clears throat> job at uh, Brooks, the Brooks PR Invitational. Um, all right. Let's transition. I am wearing my Saucony shirt today. I'm really excited about a, a buddy of mine uh, who is going to join us today. He's got a really inspiring story that I just really found out about. Julie. I thought he was just a cool dude who was great at his job, uh, but he's got a really inspiring story that we're going to help him share today on the show. Uh, today's guest is Joe Toth. He's VP of sales for the U.S. for Saucony. Um, Joe uh, has had some heart issues throughout his life that I, again, recently learned about has persevered. He's a runner. Uh, you know, he's, he's obviously, uh, doing awesome things at Saucony, uh, Saucony this week. I'm not there. Kathy's there is that fashion week. They're introducing a new shoe at fashion week. Joe's not there either. So, uh, me and Joe drew the short end of the stick. Somehow Kathy's out there in Paris with yeah. a lot of the Saucony folks. So uh, cool. very cool. So really excited to be joined by the VP of sales in the U.S. for Saucony, Joe Toth, joins us next year on Pace the Nation. Pace the Nation is brought to you by Pacers Running Stores. Pacers has six stores in Northern Virginia and D.C. For the best running footwear, apparel, and gear, just stop by or schedule a virtual fitting with the best running experts in the business. Pacers Running exists to help as many people as possible through running. For every run, it's Pacers Running. All right, welcome back to the program. And now, Julie, we are excited to be joined via the StreamYard by the U.S. VP of Sales at Saucony. It's Joe Toth. Joe, how are you? I'm great, guys. How are you? Man, we are doing really well. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. You're out there in Spokane. Um, Fleet Feet Conference, you got up early for us. Man, we really appreciate it. The rest of your team is in Paris, and you're at Fleet Feet, they, which is they, great. You love the Fleet Feet, folks. We all love it. The, there's some listeners, Fleet Feet listen. There's some people at Fleet Feet listen to the show, so we love Fleet Feet, of course. But it's not Paris. It, it's not. It, it's it's very different for sure. I mean, don't get me wrong. The weather here is beautiful, and running alongside the river was very nice. You know, yesterday morning and so on. But it is not Paris, like where the rest of our team is right now. So, so Fashion Week. Before we jump into uh, the, the conversation with you, what's everybody doing at Fashion Week? Yeah, so um, actually, we have two things that are going on at Fashion Week. Um, there's two releases that are going on while we're there. One of them is on the performance side of our business, and the other one is on our lifestyle or our original side of our business. And what's actually great is what you see going on in the marketplace these days is a really significant conversions um, that's taking place between performance brands, either apparel or footwear, etc., and the strength in which they obviously have in the lifestyle space. And so we have two buildings that are fully taken over uh, mm -hmm. down there in downtown Paris. Wow. One of them is called the House of Speed. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is where we are launching our Endorphin Pro 3, uh, primarily in our prospect pink color. Yep. Uh, and so really great visuals, uh, fantastic uh, activation and experience for everybody that wants to come through and learn about Saucony and learn about like, you know, our latest, greatest, best technology that we have out in the market. And then about 
you know, five buildings down, maybe a little bit more is the House of Originals. And that's a takeover wow. where we are bringing back the original 3D grid hurricane wow. and, uh, and relaunching that nice. alongside with, uh, with some other special projects and collabs that we have with either uh, Influential Store there, um, as well as one of our artists that ended up uh, collaborating on a new shoe called The Butterfly. So, uh, so pretty, pretty amazing uh, experiences that we're putting on. And to be honest, like kind of something big and new that you don't necessarily expect from Saucony at, at Paris Fashion Week. And uh, hopefully that, that kind of catches some eyes. Well, it will. And it, you can follow them at, at Saucony on Instagram. They're really putting out a lot of content. And, you know, uh, this show is going to post on Monday. So the Fashion Week will have already happened. But um, – Follow Saucony, follow Run Pacers because Kathy is there and you can follow her at Kat Dalby. Um, she is like rubbing it in my face with all the content that she's given us, but it looks awesome. So congratulations to you and your team, man. Our whole team has been rubbing in the face. My wife, <laughs> yeah. my wife actually texted me yesterday briefly and she, she follows a few of, uh, of our other team members and she goes, are you watching this? Like it's making <laughs> yeah. me jealous about being at home. I said, I'm out in Spokane. You're grinding in meetings with right Fleet now. Feet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, Ju Julie, before we get it real quick, I, I got to tell you the story of when I first met Joe. So I, I probably told you this, but now that you're meeting him in person, so we Saucony was nice enough to take us out on this incredible experience out to Moab. And so we go out to Moab, we fly into Grand Junction and then a couple hour drive to Moab. So uh, DCA, Denver, Grand Junction, Moab, if you can follow that. On the way home, Joe was there. His whole team was there. Great experience. On the way home, terrible weather. Could not get to Grand Junction, so or, or the flight was not going out of Grand Junction. So we had to drive all the way to Denver, Moab to Denver, which is probably about eight hours, something like that, so we could make the flight. I, I think it was time. 10, including ten stops. Right, right. Trust me, so, I that number being double digits. So – uh, you know, Joe Chris loves driving too. I'm sure oh, he was a blast Joe. to be oh. with. So it was, so it was Joe, tight, tight quarters too. Tight quarters in this van. Joe's sitting behind me. I I knew so Joe's from Canada. I knew him as the the guy who looked after the Canadian business. I didn't have is that any is idea. official title. Yeah. Well, what was it's your official the guy title? who looks after the Canadian business? Okay, yeah, I kind of like that. That's actually yeah. better. What was what the title, title at the time? What was what was the title? At the time? I was uh, I was general manager for Saucony okay. for Canada. For yeah. Canada, so you know, great dude, not relevant to my business. So I kind of like sloughed him off and oh, ignored you him. him off. Oh, yeah, good, totally. oh, great, Chris. No, he did. He did not. <laughs> Let's put it this way: you couldn't blow anybody off in a situation <laughs> where it was just like eight people in a van for ten hours. Like oh you got gosh. to know each other no so, matter what. So we did get to know each other. You know, so we start, you know, you know, conversations flowing, great conversations. But I'm not thinking them as the, the as the person who is looking after the U.S. sales. We could use that term now. It, it, it <laughs> hadn't been announced just yet. It but he was actually all on his way to being VP of sales for U.S. So I'm sitting up there with the marathon sports guys flapping my gums, saying whatever, probably talking trash about the uh, the grid technology or something or bring back the shadow. <laughs> Probably, probably, uh, you know, 
offending Joe, who's right behind me, who is basically looking over our account. Probably telling bad Canadian jokes as Probably well. Probably all of it, because it didn't No, happen. no, nobody, nobody was even trying to play that game at all. So, so anyways, uh, a, a day later, I find out. The guy sitting behind me that I barely know, well, he's in charge of our entire business in, yeah. for Saucony. So uh, I thought that sorry was Sorry I funny. had my back turned to yeah, for sorry 10 straight you. hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, 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 let's put it this way. He wasn't the only retail partner that ultimately had that story, though. There was, <laughs> there was a few. So Right. Yeah. But you took over. Uh, we'll get into your kind of career. Uh, you are VP of, of sales for, for Saucony. But before we do that, uh, I was really inspired. Uh, just Joe Toth on Instagram uh, looking at um, uh, back in your Instagram history, uh, you shared a story about you having open heart surgery when you were 13 hours old. And yeah, just ch check them out. Just Joe Toth on Instagram. Uh, you did a really nice video for the Heart and Stroke Foundation. You must have been like 20 at the time. So it was a, it was a few years back. but. Yeah. Um, tell us about that. And I mean, obviously you didn't remember thing, any, anything at that age, but what was the prognosis when you were born and then you had to have open heart surgery? Yeah. So, um, the condition in which I had was essentially a, a hole that was in the heart and the procedure in which they needed to perform in order to repair it was a total anonymous pulmonary venous outlet. And the only reason why I remember that, and it rolls off the tongue so so quickly for me, is because my mother drilled it in my head as I was growing up that, like, you have to remember this so that when you get older and you have to repeat it to a doctor, you, like, you have to be able to say this, especially if I'm not around. And so anyway, so that, um, I, you're right, I don't remember anything really from that time, but I obviously heard many stories from my, from my parents and from my family and so on. Um, I was born in a small town called Grimsby, which was about 45 minutes away from Toronto. Um, I came out blue, but my chest cavity, unfortunately, was fully like filled with blood. Um, and they needed, they immediately had to go into life-saving, you know, actions. Uh, I was airlifted to Sick Children's Hospital in Toronto, where they uh, performed the procedure in which I just mentioned. And it went well. The, the procedure went well. They, they, they said that things were, were good. Um, but the scariest thing that I remember my parents always talking about for many years was that they had told my parents that because the procedure was fairly new and they had not had the greatest results with recovery and or growth in the children, mm. that I would not walk, I would not talk, I would not grow. And unfortunately, even with such a, a worrisome procedure, that they were they were going to be taking care of uh, a child that was going to have major developmental issues. Wow! Um, and so they they were they were immediately heartbroken and very worried for sure. What I think that's the part that it is I shouldn't say confusing, but um, like for heart surgery, is that because they didn't want you to exercise the heart? Like why? What about the heart was <clears throat> then? Like going to complicate your ability to walk and to grow and to develop normally it, it was a lot about blood flow and it was okay. a lot about like the overall like strength of that like organ um just not being nearly as like strong as it should be wow. um and not like the recovery that would be great i also was a little bit early i had some other like developmental like just okay. issues at the time four months after i had to have a significant kidney surgery you know, et cetera. And so my body just hadn't quite developed the way that it, that it needed to. Um, and so that was their, like, that was their, you know, word of warning for them. Um, they also were told when I was brought home 
So I know you guys have children and, and mm-hmm. so do I. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but they were told that they could not let me cry for the first six months because Impossible. of the chest. Yeah. Had been obviously cracked open and stitched back yeah. up and so on. And so I think about being a parent in the first like several months of like having a new baby at home. That's an impossible task that you were also handed with that news at the same time. And so I, I couldn't place myself in those shoes until I was older and we were having children and, and those, you know, those emotions and those dots kind of became a little bit more real for me. Wow. Amazing. Were you, were, you, were you, are you the firstborn of your family or did your parents have other children before? I, you? I am the only. And okay. if you want to actually have the story get a little crazy, I had a twin and the twin did not make it. Oh, oh man. my gosh. That's mm. unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. wow. So, there, so there, this, could, this... there could have been two of me out there, which actually would be pretty <laughs> <crazy>. <laughs> oh, man. So this is really traumatic for your parents, right? Yeah. Like their first child. And, and did they know that there were complications before you were born? Total surprise, oh. almost out of, out yeah. of nowhere. So they, they had known that, that, that there was going to be a loss with regards to my twin. So mm-hmm. that was that was known, but they did not know about developmental uh, concerns with me. And so, yeah, and they were young. My my dad was twenty one, and my mother was nineteen. Wow! And, so and that was that was a scary a, time. Yeah. What are some of your earliest memories, like, of you know, going through some of those developmental stages, and you know, the conversations that you're having with your parents, or are you in like in different types of therapy? Like, what are some of your earliest memories of of growing up? Surprisingly enough, like it went to normal pretty quickly. Um, So I spent a lot of time at the hospital. I said Mm -hmm. sick kids in Toronto. Um, Ended up being there quite often. Like I said, I had to go back shortly after for another procedure and there was a lot of checkups and so on. And so just through a lot of my early like childhood years, um, there was a lot of hospital time. There's a lot of poking mm-hmm. and prodding and spending times in waiting rooms and, and yeah. meeting nurses and doctors and so on. And so I would say that, you know, now now many years later, I'm very comfortable with being in that environment. Though, though <laughs> I was going to say, you're either really comfortable or you like start shaking when you walk no, past I'm, I'm, the hospital. I'm very comfortable, whereas a lot of people wouldn't be. Oh, but, yeah. I, yeah. No, yeah. no major concerns. Like I, wow. I, I, fortunately enough, it was it was pretty good. I actually remember just my mom being very just cautious a little bit when I was younger, but ultimately when she knew that things were working out for the better, um, she was also just the type of person that like would always say like, Hey, like don't waste this life. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like you, you got a massive blessing here that we didn't necessarily expect. And we thought that it was not going to be that case. Like, don't, don't waste this, like do everything that you possibly can to make the, the best of like this gift that's been given you. And that was drilled into my head for many, many, many years. Well, not only would you end up being able to, you know, talk and walk and, you know, I think in the, in the Instagram post, you said they, they said you might be a vegetable, uh, you know, you know, spoiler alert, he just ran a New York city half marathon in March. So you obviously were active as a youth. Do you recall like issues at all as a youth? Did you have to have like a doctor's note, like the, the biggest and, and most ironclad doctor's note for anybody to, to have you participate in sports or was that even a thing? Yeah, a little bit. So there definitely was some, some notes either from a family doctor and or cardiologist saying that they felt that I was okay and that it wasn't mm-hmm. too much of an issue. And then, yeah, there was a few times where I remember like overexerting myself in certain like sports as a kid and I'd have some chest pains 
which probably were nothing more than me like gasping for air like most kids but <laughs> yeah. like everyone would freak out because right, like yeah. oh my goodness is he gonna go down like <laughs> yeah having his chest pains yeah and, then, and I mean I shouldn't joke because you know obviously there's people that have different experiences in life but in my particular experience you know I was okay um yeah. but they would they'd rush me off to the hospital and they'd end up doing some tests and so on and then I'd, I'd be okay and, and go back to school and so on and so, yeah. Were you was... just like telling your parents, like, stop, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm yeah, I got like... this. A, li yeah. a little bit. Yeah. But I also knew like what their feelings were and their emotions yeah. were behind everything. And so, you know, I, I probably didn't push back until I was, I was in my early teens. So up until that point, I probably didn't really have that voice for myself. Yeah. And then, and then in my early teens, I finally got to the point where I was like, all right, like, can we please can we just like let let it be normal and like get let me get after whatever it is that I'm playing at the time? So, um, so you got into running eventually. When do you remember first getting into running, and what was it about running that kind of got you hooked and you you know you made it your life uh, in your career? So it's funny. I, I I got into the running industry before I would say that I got into running. Hmm. Um, okay. So I played sports. I played baseball and soccer, and then really like got dedicated to football. Um, once I got a little bit older and, uh, when I was in high school, I found myself working at a local run specialty store. Um, I found like a, a like a co-op placement through high school and, you know, I would go there for one period a day and help like clean the stock room and like stock huh. the shelves and so on. And that's, you know, that's how I got started. And so shortly after that co-op, uh, stint, they offered me a job and I stuck around and started then learning sales and learning the products and the brands and, and the whole running industry at that point and um, loved it. Did that, did that for, for a number of years, right up until like my early years in college, um, was managing one of the, one of the locations in which we had at the time. And this was Runner's Edge? Is this Runner's, Runner's Edge? Edge? Yeah. Okay. Patrick, Very cool. Yeah. Ontario. Okay. Um, cool amazing team amazing mentor that got that business started and, and, I, and for and for our audience you, you, it's a similar to a running store in the states right it, yeah. it would very okay yeah run gotcha. specialty store privately gotcha. owned you know was was one store initially then two then back yep. down to one yep you know served the community all the way from collegiate athletes all the way up to you know okay. the person trying to start running etc and so um so that was kind of my entrance into the running community and the running industry, but I still more like ran for fitness or mm -hmm. like for my other sports, but didn't actually consider myself even at that point, still like somebody who was a runner. Really? Um, and so anyways, fast forward a, a number of years, I would say that the actual moment where I decided uh, that I wanted to, to more self-identify as a runner and be more dedicated towards the sport was I had joined on with Saucony in a sales management role. We were out in Vancouver because we were the primary sponsor for their marathon. And I went and I stood at the finish line at the end of that like race and watched the half marathoners and the full marathoners finish. Mm -hmm. And that's the first time where like I ever actually like went and stood on the sideline of a big organized race. And the amount of emotions that I watched come across mm -hmm. the sideline or like across the finish line people finishing their first race ever and just in absolute like elation because they had accomplished that goal. You know, some, some people, you know, going for a PR and they left it all out on the course and they're barely getting to the finish line. Um, 
you know, mothers finding their, their kids at like the side hanging over the fence and like running up to them and hugging them and just happy to like see their cheer squad like there for them at the end. And I, I honestly, I could take myself there right now and feel the weather and feel the energy. And actually, to be honest, the tears like streaming down my face. And in that given moment, I went, I'm going to sign up and do my first half. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to start like actually trying to like do this for more than just like some fitness for another sport. Like I'm going to try and actually get into this. And so that, awesome. that was the moment. And I will never forget that moment. That's awesome. Um, I'm a big advocate. I know you're a big advocate for this channel specialty run. Um, we're all happily employed by this great channel. Um, you got away from the channel after working at runner's edge, uh, talk to the audience who, you know, cause a lot, a lot of my staff listens and you know, they're, they're not sure what they're going to do next. Why did you come? Why did you come back to Saucony? Um, obviously, that moment when you're working for Saucony, you're at the finish line that you just described, super emotional. Was it something that wasn't fulfilling in the job you had in between Runner's Edge and Saucony? Yeah, I mean, I, I got amazing experiences in the jobs and, and the, in the work that I did for my career in between run specialty and then working for Saucony. I got mm -hmm. great management experience. I got great financial background experience. Um, but the reality is, is I always knew that I wanted to work for a brand. I wanted mm -hmm. to bring a brand to life in a marketplace. I wanted to be part of that. I, and, and I always wanted to get into some sort of space that was active and health and wellness, you know, whether it be running, you know, snowboarding, biking, uh, skiing, like fitness of some sort, just based on my background that we already talked about. I, you know, I'm always very motivated by that. And, um, and so having come from the run specialty space originally, uh, a really close friend of mine that used to work with me at retail uh, was a sales rep for Saucony. And we went out for a run and I just asked him while I was out on the run, I said, hey, is there any job opportunities at Saucony right now? And he, uh, I'll never forget, he goes, would you be okay or interested in being my boss? <laughs> and, and, and I said, are you okay? so random? It's and, uh, awesome. and, and I said, yeah, I guess. And he said, well, then I think there is an opening that you might actually be a pretty good fit. Wow. For. And, uh, and I interviewed and, and I ended up getting the job and that's how I got like back to the brand side was I just kind of knew that it was a calling that I wanted to be back at. And the, honestly, the stars aligned and, and it ended up working out and, and it's been life changing since for that's me. Awesome. For sure. All right. So now you are looking after sales and I believe that's a Canadian term, Julie. I think that is that, is that a fair to say, like, would you use the term looking after Joe? Like what do you mean? Like you're looking, uh, you're looking after uh, the sales you instead of GM of, of Saucony or VP yep. of sales of Saucony. I mean, that's a fair way to describe what you're doing. Right. I think that, I don't know. I'm not well versed in my Canadian <clears throat> terms, and I do want to touch on your. I'm not sure if you're well versed in your American terms. Either. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we can tell that from, from the yeah. way he's asking that. But question. he's looking. He's looking after the U.S. Uh, sales uh, for for. Joe, Saucony. is that something you would say that you look yeah, after yeah, yeah, Canadian I, actually, sales? I, I do. So okay. I, I, okay. I, yeah. yeah. So he is. All right. You're you're you're. The fact there, that Chris. Chris keeps calling me VP of Sales as many times <laughs> as he is on this call is making me unbelievably uncomfortable. I. I, I, I'm somebody who actually, when I introduce myself and they say, what do you do at Saucony? I just, I, I'm in sales. Like yeah. that's, that's usually how I'll kind of voice it. He's an every man. I love yeah. it. I love it. I'm with you, but Chris hey, is the same way. It's like, audience, what do you do for Pacers? He's like, Oh, you know, I work for the brand. I'm yeah, with great. you. I love getting people into running. And I'm like, uh, 
yeah. owns it. Yeah, yeah. No, but I, I'm, 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 He's like, with no, 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 you. I'm not the owner. I'm not the owner. I'm not but, the but owner. For yeah. the, we have a couple thousand people who listen to this, Joe. We got to make sure they have context for, for who you are. So, okay. So, Joe is just a guy who works at Saucony, but he is they're doing, they're doing, very enthusiastic about running shoes. Yes. They're yeah. doing awesome stuff at Saucony. How exciting is it to be part of your team right now? It's amazing. Yeah. Um, so I've been with the brand nine years now. And there was a few years there where the trajectory of the brand wasn't that strong. Um, mm -hmm. I would say 2017 through, you know, 2020 almost, you know, 20, 2018, sorry, 2017 through 2020. Um, and that was right around the time in 20, late 2019, I was transitioning down into the US. And we have, we've had several amazing shifts take place in the business. Mm -hmm. So not only like culturally, which has been led by Ann Cavasa, our president, when she came on board, just significant, just cultural changes that have led to such great teamwork, collaboration, like just the spirit that you, that you knew you wanted to have exist within the brand is, is really alive and well now. And then the other great amazing thing that ended up taking place was just the, the amount of amazing products that the product team just started to, to come up with and create and make happen. Um, all while our team on the front lines were really just supporting our retailers in such a way where we always knew that was important. And I think that that does come a little bit from the background that we already talked about that like that I kind of had and that mm -hmm. as the team was formed that we have in place today that they all kind of brought some of those same core values and like the way that we want to approach business and partnership and so on. And so what I would just say in all honesty is it's very special. Yeah. I, I, I did not ever imagine myself one being able to be in a role like I am today at a brand that I remember selling when I was 16 years old <laughs> and in a store, let alone being able to be part of something that feels as, as long lasting and impactful as it, as it does right now within the brand. So it's, it's pretty amazing and humbling at the same time. And it's a new Saucony. Uh, the old Saucony <clears throat> definitely would not be at, at, at fashion week in Paris. That's for sure. That's so. very valid. Absolutely. <laughs> very valid. And the endorphin line that you're, you're launching endorphin three out there. Pretty, pretty amazing. And congratulations to you and your team, man. It is, it is pretty awesome. Um, all right. I wanted to transition back to kind of some more personal stuff, which is super interesting to me because you are a super humble guy. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't have known this about you having a heart condition had we were at an event a few weeks ago and, and, and another retailer mentioned it when you were on a panel. Yes, spilled um, it in front of the entire. Industry. I know it's and and uh, you took it in stride. Yeah. Um, but tell us about um, you've had some some other incidents with your heart, uh, some other complications along the way. Um, you obviously had the surgery when you're when you're a newborn. Uh, how many other complications? What's the latest with your heart condition? Yeah. So the other, the other three that I ended up having. So I had one when I was 12 years old. So grade six. I had a little bit of a blockage uh, down in my femoral artery that they needed to go in and, mm. and check on. Um, they didn't need, need to do too much to it, um, but they ended up going and, and in. And how did they know that you had that blockage? Just Actually, through the routine checkups? Fair question, Julie. So, yeah, I was having some chest pains 
um, like legitimate chest pains, not just me like sucking wind at baseball. <laughs> um, and, and I needed to actually get checked out by the cardiologist. And once they did that, they did some scans and ultrasounds and so on. And they realized that they, that they needed to do a little bit of a further inspection. So they went in and, and I'm not, I'm not super medically inclined. I think it's called like laparoscopically or they went in mm-hmm. like, like through the, through the artery. Um, in order just to make sure that there was adequate blood flow, even with the blockage in place. And, and it was. And so that was that was okay. But I remember having to spend some time in the hospital, the lead up, the procedure, you know, et cetera. And then as I got into my 20s, I ended up having arrhythmia issues or palpitation issues. And so my heart would speed up to like 200 beats a minute um, and I was doing nothing. I'd be sitting in at work. I'd be watching TV at 10 o'clock at night. I'd be, you know, doing, you know, not much. And it would do that. And so, and that would last for hours, you know, two, three hours. I couldn't like get it to slow down. And so that used to happen like once every few months. Then it started happening like once a month. Then I went on some beta blockers to try and control it like medically. Then it happened like once a week, then it was happening like daily and and the medication wasn't even like even, even addressing it. And so I'd be exhausted after it would happen because my, my heart essentially just ran a marathon. Right. The rest of my body hadn't. And so, um, so they need, they needed to go in and perform an ablation, um, which in, in the easiest terms, again, like in through the vein system, so don't have to have open surgery and in, in through the neck and through, through the, the legs and so wow. on. Um, but the way to think about it is they find the nerve ending that's on the outside of the heart that is ultimately misfiring and causing for the skipping of the record. And they end up burning that nerve ending so that it no longer transmits the way that it is. And uh, so they did that procedure and that was two weeks after my firstborn. And, uh, and I, I remember signing the paperwork in the hospital that morning that basically, I mean, it's pretty serious paperwork. It's saying you're having heart surgery and Mm -hmm. that it might not go the way we expected, you know, the chances of that are slim, but still like you're signing that paperwork. And I literally just had a brand new baby two weeks before. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I need to come out on the other side of this this particular procedure. Yeah. Um, Life has even more meaning in those moments, right? You're just, Yeah. I had a teammate in college actually that had that, I think, exact same procedure. Okay. Um, it's it's fairly it, common from what I understand. Yeah. I just remember sitting in the dining hall with him and like his heart would just start racing. You know, he'd be in the middle of a workout and, and he hadn't had complications before. So it was pretty scary, like going through it for the first time. But yeah, that was, I mean, it was an exhausting time, right? It's scary, but it's also like, you know, like you said, like you're running a marathon, your body, your heart is acting like it's going through like VO2 max, like over and over and over and over. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, an, it's, it's really crazy. There wasn't much that you could do to help control it or slow it down. The only thing that they ever gave me to do other than medicine was yawn really hard. Wow. So, so sometimes like it would work and sometimes it wouldn't. So it's got some like witchcraft or something. <laughs> How do, um, and, and there was another uh, more recent incident as well I want to get to, but like, was this, were you worried this was hereditary? You mentioned that you're in, you're back in the hospital two weeks after your firstborn was, uh, was, was, uh, was born. I mean, that must've been a big worry for you, right? Or no? Jeez, Chris, are we in therapy right now? <laughs> I, I, I love it. So no, I mean, listen, I told you guys I'm, I'm an open book. I, yeah. Yes, that when we knew that we were having a baby, 
for the first time, I had a lot of worries. I had a lot of concerns that that there was essentially going to be, uh, a, you know, some sort of hereditary like pass down of either the heart problems or the kidney problems or just de developmental, you know, concerns uh, with one of our with one of our girls. And uh, luckily enough, they're great. They're amazing, perfectly awesome. healthy babies, like etc. But but during that time when we when we knew that we were expecting, yeah, I was I was definitely worried and concerned. Yeah. Um, and then uh, to continue the therapy session, um, how do you keep such a man? You you're such a positive dude, and like I'd be like, "Woe is me! Why me? Why me?" How do you keep such a positive outlook on life, knowing that there could be another incident around the corner? Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not perfect. Okay, there, there's definitely times where like that weighs in a way that isn't so like sunshiny and 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 amazing. But but for the most part. Um, I guess I go back to that like original statement that I said earlier about my mom and just saying like, don't waste this blessing. And as long as like I come out of whatever procedures next and in front of me, um, you just go back after it and you make the best of like, you know, the life that's in front of you and you try not to, to let all the other, you know, complications or challenges bog you down too much. I, I don't know if I have a better answer for that question yeah. other than just like, I guess maybe I was hardwired that way from like a pretty young age. That's awesome. All right. Well, you uh, continue to run throughout this. I mean, obviously with breaks along the way, but you yeah. uh, just ran in March the New York City Half Marathon. Um, was there another incident right before that or after that? Right after that. So wow. that was actually pretty crazy. So there was a few weeks stint where I was uh, I was feeling good, feeling healthy, um, had had obviously put on a few pounds through COVID and wasn't like yep. wasn't my fastest and so <laughs> on. Um, but I had gotten back into to running and I wanted to do the New York Half. And so I trained for it and, um, and, and went and did it and actually had a better time than I had expected by no means a PR, right. yeah, but, yeah. but, but much better than I had anticipated, had anticipated running. And then two weeks after that, I had this like pain in my lower abdomen and, uh, I didn't really know what it was. Um, I thought maybe, you know, maybe a kidney stone and it, it had moved, you know, towards my bladder, maybe, you know, maybe a UTI or something. And we were about to go on family vacation. And so I, w I went to the urgent care and ended up like doing a couple tests and they said, no, we think it's not, you know, it's not one of those, you know, one of those things, you know, we think you'll be okay, go on vacation, it, sh it should clear up, you know, etc. I thought, okay, no problem. So we went on vacation down to Florida. We live in Massachusetts, you know, mm -hmm. near where the Stockney office is. So we went on vacation and it wasn't getting any better. And so after two days, the pain was getting considerable. And so I went to the urgent care down in, in Sarasota. And they did a couple more tests and said, hey, I think we'd like to send you to the to the general hospital near here. And I'm thinking, oh, come on, I'm on vacation. I haven't been <laughs> I on vacation in a while. It's going to my like, style. Yeah. yeah like, by the Is there pool. a medicine like, for this? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. All I wanted to do was get it's a It's going to mess up your kid's schedule. Yeah. Like be back by the pool by like 10 a.m., right? Yeah. So, um, oh, so anyway, so I go to the general hospital. They do some more tests. They do an ultrasound, some blood tests, you know, CT scan, et cetera. And then I remember the doctor coming in from the ER and she, she, she sat beside me on the, by the bed. And I thought, oh, that's never good. Like when they sit down, yeah, you know, like, so she sat beside me and she said, uh, we found a significant size blood clot in your IVC, um, essentially where the blood flow is coming back up from your legs. And it's, si it's so sizable. We think it's been there for a very long time. Um, you can't leave the hospital. 
Like, you can't, I'm like, excuse me, I can't go back on vacation. Like, I thought you'd just give me something and like, <laughs> back to normal here. So, um, so she said, we need to admit you and we need to do a few more tests. And the main thing is, is that because somebody in your age that is as active as you are, um, blood clots are typically caused by a few things. One of the most um, common is cancer that we haven't found within your body. And so we need, we need you to stay here. We're going to admit you into the oncology ward and we need to start scanning and trying to find if there's something that we don't know where it is. And um, I remember calling my wife and just saying like, hey, this sucks. This is not the way that we were supposed to have vacation. Uh, do me a favor, don't come. Like, don't come to the hospital. Don't bring the girls here right now. Enjoy the vacation. We were uh, visiting and seeing some friends from Canada that we hadn't seen in a few years because of COVID. I said, just enjoy the time with them. You know, I got this. Again, like I said, I'm super comfortable in a hospital environment. <laughs> I was like, I'm all good. Like, I'll, I'll get along with the nurses and the doctors and we'll figure it out and I'll keep you updated type wow. thing. And so, yeah, three days later after being in, in that oncology ward, having some freakouts um, for sure. Uh, they ended up clearing me that the, there was nothing, nothing found in the body with related to, to cancer. Um, and then they still wanted to do some further tests. Long story short, I'll speed it up. They wow. gave me some blood thinners. They sent me back to Boston after, after our time together. And uh, I got home late Sunday night. And by Thursday I was in an OR and they were pulling out the clot. Mm. And right before I was going in to pull out the clot, they actually ended up saying, hey, remember that blockage that you had when you were 12? Yeah. It actually continued to close over all the years and the development in your body. And it was 96% closed. And the only reason why the clot didn't actually travel through to your lungs and you have a pulmonary embolism, probably while I would have been running the New York half, is because that that continued to close and created its own filter and stopped it. Wow. That's unbelievable. Out, we took it out. And we're going to put two stints in and now you're going to have new legs and new blood flow from from you know from your legs back up to your lungs and i i did not expect to hear that going in that morning i thought all they were going to do was take out a clot and then continue to try to figure out like what caused it so wow wow oh my gosh that's heavy um so i mean essentially you know who knows if things go a different way new york city would have been could have been tragic uh yeah, they, they definitely wow. said a few things that made me like mm. realize how serious it was at that time that I didn't have any indication of or know whatsoever. I had no leg pains. I had no leg pains sure. or, or anything. So, yeah, uh, I, I will say I do have new legs now. <laughs> I, uh, I was going to say, I, you have like a new lease on running. Yeah. Like, let's yeah. go. Yeah, It feels great. I, I honestly, like I, I've been out mountain biking since. I went a few weeks later on a pretty aggressive mountain biking trip up in Vermont. And then I've been getting back to my running and – uh my, my recovery is so much faster. My overall like leg power seems better than I ever really, I, I didn't even realize that it was that much of an issue before. And now, and now <laughs> yeah. I, I do have all new legs right now. Oh my gosh. That's unbelievable. So, I quick question. Why was the pain in your abdomen then if the so, clot was in your leg? So the clot wasn't in my leg. So oh, okay. there's two main veins that come from the leg. Uh, each leg up and they meet into the uh, inferior vena cava, the IVC. Okay. And so that clot was actually right into the IVC and blocking blood flow from both legs. Wow. Um, and and it, was, it was in such a spot and creating such pressure in that spot that that's what was creating pain in, in that area. 
Wow. Okay. Now that makes sense. Give, give him a follow. It's just Joe Toth on Instagram. Beautiful family, man. And they are obviously so supportive of, of, of everything. Um, is your wife Canadian? Yeah. She's Canadian as well. Yeah. How are you guys? I thought that was the case. How are you guys living in the States? Uh, we love is it, it. Tough. You do oh, good. No, we, we do. We like it quite a bit. So we've been down here three years now. Um, where we are in Massachusetts feels very similar to home where we were in Canada. Um, we've made great friends, built a great community around us very quickly, even through COVID. Um, and yeah, we, we were, we're loving it. Chris, Chris doesn't know where Ontario is in Canada. So (laughs) he doesn't actually realize like you can drive there and it's pretty close. In my defense, and this isn't really in my defense, I don't know where, you know, Montana is either. So it's not like, it's not anti-Canada. It's like, I don't know. Anti-geography. Geography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So, uh, yeah. So how long of a drive is it from Massachusetts to your hometown? It's like nine hours. Nine hours. Okay. I mean, it's, we, we drove longer than that from, uh, that's right. It's been more time with you in a car. (laughs) I know that's no problem. Um, Canada, uh, I I never see with hockey gear. I I see it with Toronto Raptors gear on a lot. Are you hot? Everybody from Canada is a hockey guy. No, No, not you. I never played. Never played. Wow. Actually, that was funny. So normally hockey is a sport that you start when you're really young, um, Mm -hmm. especially in Canada. And because it was fairly contact, like even at a young age, that's the one sport my parents kept me out of. Right. Um, And so I didn't I didn't end up playing hockey. All my friends did. And because I didn't play it, I didn't end up becoming a fan. What's crazy, though, is that as I got older, then they let me play football. um, And and (laughs) I was going to say, I was like, you played football. Yeah. Oh man. All right. Well, um, he is my favorite Canadian. Um, other than, uh, other <laughs> that's, than that's great. The, the new Washington Capitals player, whoever they bring from Canada next, that will be my favorite. If they get, it can help us. You're second to that cup. Joe, He'll, but yeah, a close right, second. Yeah. Um, well, this has been awesome, Joe. I uh, really appreciate it. You're, you're on the road. Um, I, I do have one question cause Julie travels a lot as well. And again, we're, we're diving into personal life here, but does your, you, do you get good rest when you're on the road? I guess your kids are older than our kids. And when you get this good rest when you're on your road on the road, is your wife like jealous or upset that you are getting more rest than she is when she's at home with the girls? Uh, not too bad. I mean, I, I Chris, I'm smart. I don't I don't come home and say like, oh, I got amazing rest the last few days. <laughs> And, and I ate at all these amazing restaurants and like, and we got to have great cocktails at all these amazing See, that's what spots. I do. Like, yeah. That's exactly what he does. He's I like, do. Oh, I said, yeah, Joe took so us amazing. out to this. It was amazing. Yeah. I don't go home and do that. So. I'm like, Oh, I'm so stressed. Yeah. I, it's, it was so hard. I didn't sleep. I was so worried Smart. about the family. Yeah. Man, a lot of life lessons here from Joe Toth. Chris is really showing off his Miller Lite from like yeah, whatever city that he's in. Yeah, I, I, I know better. I know better than to do that. Smart. <laughs> All right, man. Well, enjoy your time out in Spokane. Thank you so much for your time. This was amazing. Oh, thank you. Um, I really enjoyed catching up. Uh, it's Joe Toth. Whether he wants to admit or not, he is the VP of sales for the U.S. for for Saucony, not just another guy working there. Congratulations on all that you guys are doing, man. You guys are such a great partner of ours, and I really appreciate every everything you do. Um, so really, really appreciate you and appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure to meet you too, Julie. I can't wait to, to have an opportunity to chat with you more in the future. Yep. Got a lot of Chris stories. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. All right, it's Joe Toth. There he goes. 
He joined us on Pace the Nation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. Pace the Nation is brought to you by Pacers Running Stores. Pacers has six stores in Northern Virginia and D.C. For the best running footwear, apparel, and gear, just stop by or schedule a virtual fitting with the best running experts in the business. Pacers Running exists to help as many people as possible through running. For every run, it's Pacers Running. All right, welcome back to the program, and thanks again to the VP, that's Vice President of U.S. Sales of Saucony, Joe Toth, uh, for joining us. Not comfortable with the VP role, but that's what his job is. That's it. So I, I'm, I'm feeling him. I'm feeling him, but... Um, I'm sure thanks. he's more comfortable now that you told us what VP stands for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really expand on that. <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks to Joe. Great stuff. Uh, really opened up, and man... I, the, 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 his, I went in for hernia surgery and I'm going to touch on that for a second, you know, uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was so scared. And like, I, I was like, you know, uh, they stuck a needle in me and I, I almost like had to go home. <laughs> I just could not relate to his experience. He's like, I'm in the hospital. You guys stay, hang out on vacation. I'd be like, Julie, get here now. I'm going to die. No. Um, so uh, pretty, pretty um, amazing perspective that Joe has in all seriousness. Um, and I really appreciate him sharing those stories. All right. Um, so uh, a couple things here um, before we get going. Um, one, I did just mention my, my hernia surgery. Um, and I wish I had, about that. I, ha I wish I had like the Halle hallelujah music, the celebratory hallelujah <laughs> music. I was able to run yesterday, three miles for the first time in about three weeks. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So that you're was the only really person I know, moment. literally the only person I know that would get cleared for a run and not start with like a walk jog to make yeah. sure everything's okay. Or like a mile and work some sort of <laughs> yeah. like build up program. You're like, three miles three miles it was a little bit slower the first mile so i felt like that was good so uh so i'm really excited about that um i've had a number of people there are people who listen to the show have come up to me and say how's your hernia and out of nowhere and i'm like hey uh, I, I, how'd you know and then thank you thank you for asking <laughs> yeah thank you for asking i am Ellie. not getting enough love at home <laughs> yeah, i right. need love from <laughs> right. strangers in the community yeah so thank you for people who are asking um but yeah things are going well i'm excited to be clear for running uh, so that was one thing. And then kind of a non sequitur here transitioning. Um, I'm really excited. I have not listened to this yet, Julie, but you were on another podcast recently, mm -hmm. the mindset experience. And the title of the show was what if things go well, can you tell us a little bit, uh, a bit about that uh, podcast? Yeah. So I really enjoyed this podcast. Mm -hmm. I feel like, um, when I get asked to do podcasts or interviews, it's usually like share your story. Mm -hmm. um, tell us about you. Tell us about your background. How'd you get into running? Like, um, and this was really cool because it was just about the psychology behind some of the performances in my life. Okay. And um, it was really neat to dive in. I'll be honest with you. It was just cool. a different way to kind of walk through those experiences and really think about the perspective and the power that the mind has. So one of the things I talked about was like a really challenging time period for me in, in my running performances. 
and admitting, I think I've admitted to like one or two people, but admitting um, that my mind was completely in control of uh, a series of bad performances um, that the my like my coach included just thought there was no way it could have been in my head like that mm -hmm. there was absolutely something wrong with me I mean I went through echocardiograms and all kinds of like testing because it like there was but there was this incredible uh connection between my mind and my body and I didn't like at the time didn't really know that it was just my mind that was doing that I also thought something was wrong um, but it was really interesting to kind hmm. of walk through that in the podcast and talk about like my reflections, you know, even looking back at those moments and what I kind of started to understand about myself, you know, months after that period of time. Um, and it, it actually really served me well, because it really helped me to understand like the power that my mind did have, um, and that the power that anyone's mind has in order to like uh, in your ability to control certain situations and, you know, for both positive and negative outcomes. So, um, yeah, I was it was a really cool. fun podcast. It was really cool to dive into all that. The so. mindset experience. Julie Cully. What if things go well? Um, I, and I think it relates to what Joe was just talking about. His mindset is super yeah. positive. And I think that controls the outcome um, on a lot of situations that he's been through. So. Um, and hopefully he doesn't have to have any more of those <laughs> moments to like, know. you know, be know. reminded of, like, we don't yeah. want those tragic moments or those hard moments or scary moments to be reminders of it, but, yep. um, really amazing insight from his, his mother at such a young age yeah. too, to just be, you know, be thankful. Yep. Very cool. All right. So Julie, um, uh, the Mindset Experience podcast that was uh, set up by our, our friend Josh Levinson. Quick shout out, uh, shout out to Josh and his team over at Charm City Run. 20 years. They had their 20 year anniversary party uh, a couple weeks ago. 20 years in business. So congrats to those guys. And thanks for connecting you with uh, the Mindset Experience. Uh, you can give that a listen wherever podcasts are found uh, after you listen to the show, of course. Um, so. Um, great stuff. You're heading out to Eugene again. Um, good luck, uh, next week as you go to worlds or I'm sorry, you go to USA's in Eugene tomorrow, um, tomorrow. So you see, see the, the national championship happen qualifying for worlds. So you'll, uh, be on the scene to report back to our audience when, uh, when we record again. So good luck out there. And then we'll be headed out to worlds and that will be a whole, couple of shows of content. So, um, a lot going on this summer. All right. For today, thanks to our, again, to our guest, Joe Toth, VP of sales at Saucony. Uh, <laughs> great interview. Really appreciate you sharing and being so vulnerable on our show. Um, awesome stuff from Joe Toth. Thanks to you, the listener. And thanks, Julie. Great stuff as always. Great show. Episode 275 in the books. I'm Chris Farley for Julie Cully. This is Space Nation. We will see you next time.